And Stephen A. Smith says, I am having a very bad day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another installment of Championship or Bust with Max, Zach, and Josh. I don't even know how I can do this episode. The Knicks are currently down by 13, and they should be down by a lot more. It's absolutely disgusting. But thank goodness we have a wonderful 1907 World Series episode to make up for all of that. Because I know that's all what we're thinking about right now when the Knicks are currently about to get washed away by the Miami Heat. Of course, but, who cares about the Knicks, dude? Totally. Wow. Just baseball. Baseball yeah, you're just asking for trouble right now. Yeah. But in 1907, the Cubs beat the Tigers in five games. But one of them was a tie. All right, let's move on. Segway into the game series breakdowns. Go ahead, Josh. I mean, if you're upset about the Knicks getting, you know, their asses hand to them, I mean, we can talk about the Tigers getting their asses hand to them. <laughs> I like is, that better. Yay. You know, the 1907 World Series was known as one of the top 10 worst World Series of all time. You know, the Cubs came absolutely rolling into town. They're the best team in the National League. Coasted to an easy victory. So everybody thought the Tigers, you know, they might give them a run for their money. They got a couple really good players, some all-star superstars here. You know, Ty Cobb, Sam Crawford. Bill Donovan, that guy went 25-4 and four that year. And, you know, they're going to give the Cubs a run for their money. But you know what? They didn't whatsoever. You know, a five-game series, you can put that in quotations there. The first game ended in a tie after 12 innings because they didn't play at night back then. So the sun wow. went down after a whole two hours and 40 minutes. Wow. I can't believe that. That, that was a regular baseball game two years ago. Yeah. Shorter than a regular baseball game two years ago. So that game ended up getting called as a tie. I just moved right into game two. <laughs> and, you know, Detroit had a chance to win that first game, too. They had a two-run lead in the ninth inning and ended up blowing it in the bottom of the ninth. Wow. And basically after that, the Tigers scored one run in the next, the next three games and then got shut out in the last game. Totally went out with a whimper. All their superstars didn't perform. Looks like the Knicks right now. Sounds familiar, <laughs> huh? And, and that was it. I mean, the Cubs just literally wiped the floor with them in the remaining four games. But you know what? Fun fact on this one, Game 2 saw the first ever ejection in World Series history oh, wow. when the Tigers manager got thrown out for arguing a call on a steal. A steal? That's what you got ejected for? A steal? A steal. Are we serious? Nothing yeah, Judge Rogers didn't do. I guess. All right, so we're going to move on to the Hall of Famers here. Uh, pretty short and sweet So because we talked about the Cubs in 1906. But the same four Hall of Famers there, we have Joe Tinker, we have Johnny Evers, we have Frank Chance. Um, out of those three hitters, well, the only one who really did much was Johnny Evers. He had 350 and with an 800 OPS, he went 7 for 20, had three stolen bases. Joe Tinker hit 154, 2 for 13 with a 466 OPS. Uh, kind of goes along with what we were talking about where not much of a source of offense, more of a defense guy. And uh, Frank Chance, 3 for 14, hit 214 in the series with three stolen bases. Um, our king pitcher, Mr. Mordecai Three Finger Brown, only started one game, went 1 0, complete game, zero runs, seven hits, four strikeouts, one walk. Can't really ask for more than that. Nope. <laughs> he did his thing, he did what he was supposed to do. Um, moving on to the Tigers. Uh, so our first one is probably, two, we have two of them, but our one of them is a little more obscure. And one's obviously a huge, huge name in baseball history. But I want to start with Sam Crawford because I think he's one of the more underrated old-timer Hall of Famers. Uh, he was elected to a veteran committee in 1957. He finished 39 hits shy of 3,000, had 2961 hits, 309 career average, 75 war. Yes, I'm bringing out the war. And actually still yes. a all-time record for triples with 309. And he led the league six different times. Now, keep in mind, he holds the all-time record for triples with 309. 
and he retired 106 years ago. Jeez. In 20, not in 2017, but in 1917. I wrote my notes wrong. I apologize. But I think when I was seeing that, the first thing I thought of was the most unbreakable records in baseball history, maybe even in sports history. So I went down and I looked at the career leaders in triples. The second place in triples of all time is actually Ty Cobb, who we'll be talking about later. So these Detroit Tigers had a lot of triple hitters. Sam Crawford at 309, Ty Cobb at 295. Um, A lot of it after that is guys who our grandparents wouldn't have even seen play. Uh, The only ones that would be close to that time period would be Stan Musial, who was tied for 19th with 177. Wow. He's barely even halfway there. Uh, Shoeless Joe, uh, Roberto Clemente had 166. And it made me wonder, and Luke Garrick has 163, but it made me wonder who the active leader in triples is for a career. And it's actually Charlie Blackman. What? You know, Charlie how many Blackman does he have? Like 40? Forever, right? Guess how many triples Charlie Blackman has? Yeah, like be in the 30s or 40s. Yeah, 30s? Yeah, you guys were on the lower side, but he has 58 career triples. That's so and he's funny. The active leader. I've never pictured him as like a fast dude anyway. That's right? so interesting. So, my I question for you guys is like, and obviously we can open this up to other records that I'm sure there's other records that are so clearly uh, unbreakable in baseball. Like, we know no one's touching Cy Young's. 511 wins or uh, his complete game record, which I believe is something in the 700s, as I'm thinking, like 749, 749. Um, Is this triples record right up there? And where do you think it may rank among the most unbreakable records in sports? No one really talks about it, but I think it's definitely one of the more underrated ones. Yeah, I think that's got to be in the top. It's funny because when you were na- listing all those guys, I instantly thought of Ricky, which I know it's very modern, but Ricky Henderson only has 66 triples, which like is astounding to me because the dude obviously has like 1,400 stolen bases. Uh, he had more balls over the fence. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of that attributes to the parks of these guys playing. The dimensions of some of these parks were wild. Good point. You know, you had a ball, you had a ball to the gap in center field – Takes guys twenty years to track it down, and their arms aren't as good as some of the guys now. I mean, you would have you would have ball off the wall now, and you're gonna get thrown out of second base. Yeah, and there's a lot of inside the park home runs back then too, because the parks were so big, like you're saying. It's a good point. But I think Ricky Henderson's actually a good one to bring up for the most unbreakable records. You have fourteen hundred and six stolen bases. Oh yeah, no, never gonna be touched ever again. No shot. He also holds the run scored record with just under twenty three hundred. I think that one can be broken if you have someone who plays long enough, Maybe. but. No one's touching that stolen bases record. I really don't think. Like the second place finisher is Lou Brock with nine hundred and thirty-eight. Yeah, nowhere. Ricky has almost five hundred more. Yeah, and he has almost five hundred more attempts. But I don't think anyone's going to be steal. You know, attempting seventeen hundred stolen bases. Yeah, I mean, what they say you have to steal like fifty bases every year for fifteen years to even get near them. (laughs) Something like that. Like I mean, the guy that leads the league in steals now steals what forty. Yeah. Well, if you're still 50 base for 15 years, you'd have 750. You wouldn't even be halfway to Ricky. Or you'd be barely halfway to wow. Ricky. Wow. Because he has 1,406. So he's, you'd be a little more than halfway there, and you'd be good for 11th all time. But active leader in stolen base. I'm looking at the notables. Each row has 509. Yeah. If, if he came over earlier, maybe. Bobby Abreu has 400. That's a weird one. Wow. Craig Biggio, 415. <laughs> 
Mike doesn't uh, like seeing Bobby Abreu on any list. <laughs> yeah, so these guys are getting up there in the numbers, but they're still nowhere close. Yeah, it's even, I think, a modern guys. I remember when Trout was younger and he was stealing a bunch of bases every year. He only has 204. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, he can't stay on the field. Yeah, he can't stay healthy, but he also stopped stealing bases. And everyone's favorite Yankee, Brett Gardner, I want to point out, only has 274 stolen bases. We get it. You have a good <laughs> Brett Gardner was, was not. You don't have to hate on Brett Gardner every chance you get. <laughs> I know you might see Volpe. Volpe's still in a lot of bases so far this year. I know it's those big bases, man. You're right. Anthony Volpe's going to be the guy to break Ricky's record. Yep. You called it. You're right. We'll come back in 15 years. <laughs> that's that is that's exactly what I said. 100. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> write, that, write that down. You heard it here first. It's like I'm a news me. I'm a media member. Podcaster says that Volpe's going to break Ricky's record. We'll move on to our last Hall of Famer from the series, a little more notable, Mr. Ty Cobb, who needs absolutely no introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, 4,189 hits, led the league in batting average 12 times. Jeez. 12 times. He led the league in OPS 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, <laughs> 9, 10 times. I have to actually count it as I go. While also leading the league in RBIs four times, leading the league in hits eight times, so Ty Cobb was also elected to the Hall of Fame in the inaugural class of 1936 with Babe Ruth, Hannes Wagner, Christy Mathewson, and Walter Johnson, and he received 98.2% of the vote. So not only was he elected in 1936, he was the highest polling member, which shows you what the voters thought at the time. This is coming despite the fact that he did have some questionable character issues with spiking people, <laughs> there were some gambling allegations in there, but he still received 98% of the vote. So what I was thinking here is, and I already sent it to you guys in the PDF document of, in my opinion, when I did the Hall of Fame list, the top 50 or so pure hitters ever. Um, and I was thinking maybe we could sort of have a top five batting average pure hitter, to quote the cliche, pure hitter draft. So what I thought we could do, and if you are down for this, is I'll shuffle the order and we'll do a snake draft style five rounds. Um, whoever goes first will go first. Whoever goes third will pick fourth, and we'll see who can amass the best group of five hitters. What do we say? Awesome. Uh, here we go. So our list is being randomized right oh, now. All right. On the clock is Mr. Zach. All right. Um, I already – I mean, Mac posed this question to us, um, I want to say yesterday, and my mind immediately went – to the best pure hitter I thought of was Ted Williams, obviously legend. Um, when I went to the Hall of Fame, they had a exhibit up of this guy's strike zone. Um, if you're throwing down the middle to this dude or like anywhere close to the center of the plate, he hits 400 and anywhere on the edges of the plate, it's still in the 310s, 320s. It was just honestly to visualize that, it was really something special for me. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, I just think he's one of the best. You know, he's got a career 344 average. I think he has six batting titles, like 2,600 hits, two triple crowns, just one of the best all-around hitters. And also, if I, we're going to have this debate in a little bit, but this power factor in that, and I would lean no, I'm a more average guy, but he did have, you know, over 500 home runs, if that's something you're thinking about as well. So Ted Williams is definitely my pick. Definitely a solid pick. Uh, he was named the greatest hitter who ever lived when they did the all-century team. Um, I definitely have no issue there. We'll turn it over to Josh. 
Oh, look at me going number two. I mean, as a Yankee fan, Uh-oh. I'm going to have to pick Babe Ruth here. Oh, come on. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. Like, you didn't think that was going to happen. I mean, come on. What is, what is there more to say about the guy? The great Bambino. The guy is an absolute legend. He's a god of baseball. The guy can hit. He can field. He can throw. He can pitch. But, I mean, you know. He had an MVP. He led the league in runs and home runs 12 times, RBIs and walks. I mean, it's not like he was just, you know, striking out either. I mean, the guy was one of the greatest hitters of all time. Oh, and I know. Pow- That's why power I wanted to that. So. And he was number one on my list three years ago. He's number one on my board now. Oh, we get well, it, Mikey. All-time record holder. Stop, you got yes, that's what I wanted. All right. Well, now, now you get two picks in a row, so you yeah. can make us all cry. So go ahead. All right. So for my first pick, uh, now I got now I'm in shambles. All right. Um, so we're going it. pure batting average, right? We agreed on that. Like not batting average necessarily, but like. We're going more single hitters type, less emphasis on power. I mean, you could wait it however you want. Yeah. Um, going on hitters in general. Got it. All right. So for my first pick, I am going to go with – I'm going to go with Ty Cobb. Uh, he led the league in batting average 12 times, we said before, on base percentage seven times. Uh, I think that's the pick there. Led the league in OPS 10 times, stolen base six times. Uh, holds the all-time record in batting average. Zach's favorite stat. three sixty six. Yes, uh, 433 on base percentage, 512 slugging, 944 OPS, 4,000 hits. I'm going to go with Ty Cobb there. My second one, I'm actually going to go a little off my board that I originally made um, because I actually really like the thought of this one right now in terms of what we're really going for right now because I, I had some other people higher up based on power or based on other tools. I made this list based on everything, not just not just average here. But – I'm going to go with Stan Musial. You? I'm going to go there, and here's why. I hate you. I'm glad. Seven, bat- seven batting titles, six on-base percentage leads, slugging percentage leads, seven-time OPS leads, six-times hit leader, um, 331 career batting average, 976 career OPS, 3,000 hits. This is all with losing a prime season due to war service. Uh, it's a no-brainer here. Not cool. Stan Musial. Not cool. So running through the snakes. So right now – after reviewing round one in the beginning of round two, Zach has Ted Williams, Josh has Babe Ruth, and I have Ty Cobb and Stan Musial. Josh, you are now on the clock. All right, so I'm going to pick a guy that I honestly don't even think is on your list. And you're probably both going to flame me for this one, but um, I'm going to pick Ichiro. No, I can't, I can't flame you for that. I mean, he's on the list. What are you talking yeah, about? He's oh, like, is he? okay, I, I thought about, about that. I didn't read that hard into it. Not going to lie. Good, thanks. But, I mean, you know, my thought here is that, you know, we're, we're talking about all these guys that played, you know, 50-plus years ago. And the game has changed. It's, it, you know, it's evolved. Pitchers have gotten, you know, a lot better. They're, they're not, you know, they're throwing – guys in the back then, they were throwing ball over to play. Guys now are aiming for strikeouts. And, I mean, this guy, you know, if he had come to America before he was 27, probably would have the most hits in baseball ever. Yep. And, I mean, he has said in interviews, you know, I can hit for power if I wanted to, but I just don't. And I saw him in batting practice. He's right. And, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, and there have been times in batting, you know, in batting practice and even in games where he's decided, all right, that's it. I'm done here. And will hit a walk-off home run because he can. I mean, he probably is 
one of the best, if not the greatest, pure hitter baseball has ever seen. No, I so think it's a great that pick. Is my choice. Ichiro is one of my favorite players of all time. Um, I have him as a, if we're going by the pyramid idea from Bill Simmons, level four Hall of Famer, just because he did come here late, but had an incredible career when he was here. And like, we always talk about that idea of peak value versus longevity. And man, he had both because a lot of people didn't expect him to have that longevity. And that peak was incredible. And then he lasted the 42. Yep. Um, am I up? Yes, yes you are. are. Mike stole my pick with Stan here, so I'm gonna have to uh, pivot and go with Willie Mays. I am gonna pick someone that you know played 60 years ago. Sorry, Sharon. Great pick. Uh, <laughs> Great I mean, pick. Obviously, legendary center fielder, San Francisco Giants. Uh, seven hits shy of 3,300. Also hit for hit for power, 660 home runs, career average just over 300 at 301. Uh, only one batting title, though, but again, those hits and those numbers, they speak for themselves. Legendary player, 24-time All-Star, man. Just insane. One of the greatest outfielders of all time. Very good pick. I'm ho- I, I, and you have one more. Oh, shoot. I'm really hoping my guy comes to me right now. All right. You know, I picked a guy who played 50 years ago, so I'll pick someone more modern. Uh, someone who just retired, actually, Aber Pujols. Good pick. Just got his, what, 700th home run yep. uh, recently. His uh, career batting average is below 300, though, at 296. But again, 3,300 hits. Uh, we've talked about 700 home runs. No batting titles. But again, legendary player, 11-time yeah, if he, uh If he retired before he – you know, he, he he stuck it out to get 700. Oh, if yeah. he had retired before that, his career batting average would have been higher. No, you're right. Absolutely right. Right. He fell into the Mickey Mantle trap. He hung around just a little bit too long, finished just shy. I don't think you'd hold that against him. My question for you is, and kind of straying off topic a little bit from the draft, but since you brought up Pujols, uh, do you think Pujols ends up the second unanimous Hall of Famer? Oh, that's a really good question. No, because somebody's going to have a problem with him. Yeah, I mean, if writers are going to keep grudges, I would. you'd have to lean no, but I mean, I don't see why he shouldn't be. I uh, think he... I don't think he does, but I hope he does. Yeah, like I have nothing against him, right? There, there's no knock against his career at all, really. Well, you know, somebody's going to be like, well, he stuck around too long. Yeah, it doesn't mean – yeah, that's ridiculous. Like, And someone will accuse him of steroids or something. Sure. All it takes is one writer to have a bad interaction with him. For yeah, him to get it, for which him is messed up, man. It's, so it's that up. simple. Which is why Mariano Rivera is so perfect. Yeah, yeah. King. We get it. Um, but yeah, to appease both baseball fans here, I picked uh, someone from the '60s and someone more modern. So there you go. Appreciate you. Way to make it so that you know, try to satisfy us both. I appreciate that. Fancy <laughs> it on to you. Eighth pick, uh, eighth overall pick, third round. What a guy! What a guy! All right, so um, I'm going to go with Ken Griffey Jr. There you go. That was my next one. There you go. I mean. Just watching this guy swing a bat, he has probably the sweetest swing you have ever seen. It is just so smooth, so perfect, and I mean, the guy was a great hitter. He hit over 600 home runs, almost 3,000 hits. You know, he was an MVP, Silver Slugger seven times, Little League at home runs four times. You know, the guy was a baller, and he played gold glove defense to boot, but... As a hitter, you know, this guy was one of the best from the day he, he came up and was playing with his dad. 
I can't think of a better choice. Great pick. Mark Griffey Jr. is one of the best pure players ever. I think I think there's definitely a case for our lifetime as the best all around player in the sport from any generation from any of our generations moving forward. I don't think anyone's gonna even get close. I would have to agree. Yeah, I agree. I mean Barry Bonds, but Mm-mm. Oh, there you go. Mm-mm. Tipping your hand, huh? Mm-mm. No, I'm not, I'm, not picking, <laughs> I'm not I I I'm not picking Barry Bonds. Uh-huh. 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 No. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure. And uh-huh. in the fifth uh-huh. round, and in the fifth round, I am going to pick Barry Bonds. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. No. Oh. I, I, I'm presenting that so that you guys pick him. Uh-huh. But I think I'm up here, and I am. So with the ninth pick, A-Rod. I will say <laughs> I did think about him, but no. Um, I'm probably picking him a little too early because I don't think either one of you were even considering him, but I'm going to pick Tony Gwynn here. Nice. And my reasoning, eight batting titles, uh, led on base once, led and hit seven times, had a career 338 batting average and not in course field for a relatively modern player that's insane. And if we're talking about what hitting really is, are we going for getting base hits or are we going for production, you know, even when you don't get hits? So in 20 years, Tony Gwynn struck out 434 times. Which I mean, is yeah, absolutely unheard. That's nuts. That's mind-boggling. So he averaged twenty-one point seven strikeouts a season. Wow. And you like, I just don't see how that can be turned down. Um, one thirty-two OPS plus. If we're talking about you know the rate stats and all that, but considering the fact that he played less than a hundred games in four of those seasons, we're really talking about eighteen years, and the highest amount of strikeouts he ever had in a season was 40. Are you serious? That's 40 crazy. was his career high in strikeouts in 1988. Judge will do that he in had three the months. title that year. Three months. Judge does that in one month. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hell are you talking about? Oh, my so gosh. I, I was a little hesitant about picking him this early because I didn't think anyone was going to have him, but he is my pick. Wow. it's a good pick. That is. And I'm going to pass it along to our next up, and that is – oh, no, I'm up again. You're still up. I just realized. Um, another person that is probably on the more obscure side, um, I don't think you any of you had him in mind, really. I'm going to go with Rod Carew. Nice. And we're talking, you know, 18 all-star teams, seven batting titles, three hit leader, career average 328, pure hitter, Zach's favorite type of player. Ingles. Yep. <laughs> hitters, and that is what Rod Carew Love like him, Rod, Rod Carew hit 92 home runs in his career in 100 games <laughs> but he was an elite elite hitter uh, won an MVP award um, had black ink pretty much everywhere except for the power stats but mostly in batting average um, struggled in the postseason but didn't get many opportunities in the postseason so it's not really a fair representation um, but yeah Rod Carew is my pick as Adam Sandler tells us, he converted to Judaism. Yes, he did. <laughs> All the more reason why I picked Rod Carew. Uh, uh, so, Josh, you are on the clock. Oh, oh boy. All right. I got one for you. I'll do it. So, uh, I'm, I'm going to go way back in time here. I'll do it. Even though I said, <laughs> don't do it. Even though I said I like, you know, the modern guys, but I'm going to pick uh, <laughs> Rogers Hornsby. Oh, okay. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good pick. That is. 
<clears throat> Not my guy. Pick. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Pick Rogers Hornsby. I mean, this guy won the Triple Crown twice. Yeah, two MVPs. He led the league in batting average seven times and hits four times and home runs twice. You know, he ended his career just shy of 3,000 hits, a little over – just over 300 home runs. But, I mean, guy won two Triple Crowns. That's unheard of. You know. That is seen what one triple Great crown pick. in the last fifty years. Yeah. So, yeah, I know, I know it was a, a long, 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 long time ago, but that is my pick. Horns I pick. think it's a great pick. All right. I know exactly where Zach's going with this one, though. Do you? Oh, do you? Eric I don't. Jeter. No. Oh, relax. <laughs> going Hank Aaron, obviously. Good pick. I mean. 3,700 hits, 30 hits away from 3,800 career, 305 hitter, two batting titles, 25-time um, All-Star. You know, just one of the greats. Obviously, the home run chase, we know the whole deal with that. One of the best all-around hitters ever, hit for power, hit for average. Um, just an amazing, amazing player. We'll never see someone like him ever again. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. That was a good pick. And it's funny because – for a player who hit 755 home runs, I don't know if he ever led the league. In home runs? That's interesting, he yeah. He did. He did four times, I guess. Uh, okay. But he never hit 50 home runs in a season. That was the stat that mm-hmm. I had in mind. He has the batting titles, though. Only two, but again, great all-around hitter. And for my That was my one, next pick, actually. Uh, ha-ha, <laughs> and he has the all-time record in total bases, so oh, again, wow. encompassing everything. And... um. Again, I'll go modern here with someone I think we're overlooking a little bit, guys, as I'm looking at the stats here, is Miguel Cabrera. That's uh, a very good pick. Four-time batting title um, award winner. Obviously, that triple crown that Sherm just mentioned. Um, two hits away from 3,100, so 3,098 hits. A career 307 hitter, and that would have been a little bit better if he didn't play uh, last year. Um, but again, he... Pretty much, yeah, it was rough. <laughs> and this year. And this year, too, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's okay. No one really realizes Yeah, it. I'm also forgetting he's playing this year. Uh, but, yeah, you know, over 500 home runs, a brilliant, brilliant hitter. And we're re- I think we're kind of overlooking him, and his numbers will go. We'll look back on his numbers and think a little highly, you know, more highly of him when he's gone. I, I can agree with that. I think it's another type of Pujols where he hung around five, ten years too long and – I know, like, it took a while for people to have that farewell tour for Pujols last year. Like, April and May, there wasn't really anything being done for him. I think Miguel Cabrera is going to have that same delay where everyone's going to realize, wait, he's actually going. Yeah. And then that's when he's going to get showered with all the gifts and all that. Um, Miguel Cabrera doesn't have a milestone chase right now that Pujols does. He already hit both of them. But I, I definitely see a lot of parallels between the two of them in their careers. Obviously playing the same position playing a really, really long time, well past their well prime. Well past the prime. <laughs> Being a veteran leader for their team. And I, you know, first ballot Hall of Famers, no question. So yeah. I think it, there's definitely nothing wrong with that pick. And Josh, you are on the clock. I am going to go with a bit of an interesting one here. You know, this guy is one of the, one of the greatest hitters ever. And his career was, you know, Short, it's only 13 seasons, but I'm going to go with Joe DiMaggio. There you go. I was looking at him. That's a good one. Can't hate. I mean, you know, this guy's a career 325 hitter, 
you know, in, in 19 seasons, the guy led uh, 13 seasons. The guy led the league in batting average twice. You know, he led the league in home runs twice. He had 2,200 hits again in 13 seasons, and he had 360 home runs in 13 seasons. You know, if this guy played a you know a 20 year career like all these other guys, just you know, imagine what those numbers could have been. You know, he might have hit 4,000 hits. He might have had 600 home runs. Right. But even what he did and how short it was, this guy's one of the best pure hitters ever. I can't believe that we didn't even mention that. And then we're going to get so many messages on that if we had viewers. That <laughs> in the record breaker thing with the 56 game hit streak. The hitting, hitting streak, yep. And it's yep. funny because that's probably the most realistic one that could get broken, but it never, ever will. It's so interesting, right? Because Jeter in the, in the day used to have just like casual, like 20, 25 game hitting streaks, but he never got even close to that. Right. Any schmuck can come in and get a hit for 56 games. You don't have to build up a career. <laughs> you know, Aaron Hicks could play 56 oh, games. Oh, stop it. And then all of a sudden, he's in touch of that record. Which if is, Aaron Hicks plays 56 games against one hit, no one's going to. I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Aaron Hicks is awful, but, you know, <laughs> I can have hope. I can have dreams. So. Uh, no, you can't. Like with cash, not with him. Yeah, you can't. I I believe I'm up, and I was going to take Barry Bonds here. Ashamed into it, I ashamed out of it, which is strange considering I know Zach. You have no shame. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> huh? You have no shame. What are you talking? I about? don't. But you know, but I don't. I, it's all about being unpredictable. Um, I then was going to take Alex Rodriguez. Unfortunately, you guys can read me like a book. Yes. <laughs> so. We're going to go – I'm going to do a 180 here, and plus I'm looking at the names here, and I, I like my group, but I don't think the public would unless they really know the batting titles and all that stuff. So I want to go a little more power here, and I'm going to go with a absolute undisputed legend, and that is Mr. Lou Gehrig. There you go. So six championships, two MVPs, uh, obviously career toward the end – Got cut short, only played eight games in 1939. After having a very solid season, not quite what he normally does, but a solid season in 1938. Um, led the league in batting average once. Led the league in home runs three times, RBIs five times. Yes, I know the RBIs are inflated because Babe Ruth was on his team. But on the flip side, Babe Ruth had a lot of home runs, and that meant the base pads were empty a lot of the time. Um, hit a 340 batting average, 447 on base, 632 slugging. So he had a career OPS of 1.080, which is insane. Um, came very close to both the 500 home runs and the 2,000 runs batted in milestones. Obviously, you know, honestly, probably 20 games, and he has both because he had 493 home runs and 1995 runs batted in. And he showed up in the playoffs. He had a 361 batting average in 34 playoff games. And, you know, you guys see with championship or bust there weren't many playoffs going on it was more of the world series so he played in seven world series we will i'm sorry he played in eight world series one um i believe six of them but we'll be talking about him a lot more as time goes on and he had a 361 career batting average in the world series which shows you that you know obviously he was clutch too so lou gehrig i can't believe he lasted this long and it makes me feel a little bit better about not picking barry bonds <laughs> So, yeah, uh, if we were continuing on, my next pick would be Bonds, though. Got it. Because I can't uh, let him fall below 16 overall. That's ridiculous. 
So I, I'm surprised Mr. Zach didn't pick uh, Pete Rose, to be honest with you. I thought about Pete Rose I also. I did think about him. Um, that's a good one. But yeah, it's I honestly just, Tony Gwynn and Rod Cruz have priority based on their pure year-to-year dominance. And I I knew that, that those were kind of some obscure guys that wouldn't necessarily be picked. So I wanted to give them the love. I think Pete Rose honestly might have been a little too easy. So I Yeah, I, I felt that way. Uh, and I also wanted to give shine to people that we wouldn't necessarily think about. Like Miggy was, I thought was really smart, honestly, because I didn't, when I looked at the numbers, I was very surprised to see all the batting I mean, titles he had. Look at this. We kept it relatively clean cut. Like we did. Uh, Ty Cobb has, like we said, has the character issues. Yeah. It's like my team is Ty Cobb, Sam Musial, Tony Gwynn, Rod Carew, Lou Gehrig. Great guy, great guy, great guy, great guy. <laughs> Josh, you have Babe Ruth, Ichiro, Griffey Jr., Hornsby. And yeah. Jackson. Hornsby had some issues too, but also it was, you know, the 1900s. Uh, Zach, Ted Williams, Willie Mays, Albert Pujols, Hank Aaron, Miguel Cabrera. No complaints. Class acts across the board. Like Ted Williams uh, had could be a bit of a curmudgeon at times, but nothing that would be crazy. He was in the military for, what, six years too? So exactly, that, uh, which, which allows him, better. which means he has the right to be. Yeah. <laughs> but moving forward from the drafts, um, I guess we'll segue right into the kind of current events, right? Anything else anyone want to add, though? No, no, I don't think so. That's pretty fun. I think we did pretty yeah. well. I enjoyed that. We should do that more often, like just random types of drafts, like yeah. or like a Mount Rushmore kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, Mount Rushmore is Next time be good. we can draft on based on position. I think that would be uh, – Oh, that would be good. That's tough. a good one. Much, a lot tougher. That's yeah. a good one. I, I figured five rounds was good to start this just for time constraints. Like now that we know that we can do this pretty quickly, we can definitely open it up longer. I also want to do one day where I just open up my list to the floor and let you guys fry me for what I have. <laughs> I think that could be a lot of fun. I do enjoy frying. Yes, I we know. know. <laughs> so, um, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I guess we'll head into the current events, and you know, there's definitely a lot of stuff going on in baseball right now. Um, anyone want to start up? Yes. I'll let you. Yes. I would like to collectively groan about this Yankees team. Awful. Oh my god! Uh, what the I, actual heck, man? I was at the game on—I forget even what day. I guess it was Wednesday night. Yeah, uh, they won in extra innings. We wound up leaving in the ninth. Uh, it was pouring, and we had to take a subway home, which I will never do again. It was terrible. <laughs> but um, uh, Shane Bieber pitched. He had a solid outing. Clark Schmidt pitched. He actually wasn't awful. Wow! I think that was the first night. start he had that didn't—that wasn't like god awful. Had an awful start, but shaped up, and like the just the chance of fire Cashman and Fire Boone were ringing around the stadium. It was nice to hear, Um, but they it goes away when you're winning. So it was almost like a little tongue in cheek. Like, all right, we won now, and now we look like the idiots. No, Cashman, Fire Boone. I mean. At what point is this on Boone though? The guy's putting out a Triple A team every day. It's not his fault that half the more than half the team's hurt. Like, what are you going to do at some point? You, you can't because be even with the guys he has, you can't manage them. Yeah, yeah, I understand that, but it's tough. I mean, it's on both of them. I mean, Cashman is not giving him anything, but at the no. same time, Boone doesn't know how to use a bullpen, and he's throwing games away. Yeah, because the closer that he knows is struggling. Puts it's a one-run anyway. game, and he's still putting the guy in. Yeah, that was a terrible call, man. But did you, you know. see what Cashman said the other day? I was going to bring it up, right? After Wednesday's game, Kay was asked by uh, Kay, Michael Kay, asked Cashman if he ever let his manager coach with their gut, not with, 
you know, analytics and numbers. numbers. And Cashman said, and I quote, of course, but if it goes poorly, they'll have to explain themselves to the front office. Right. Because when the analytics don't go right, you know, Cashman doesn't have to answer to anyone. That's how that works. Right. Yeah. I think I'm one of the few Yankee fans that has, I placed really zero blame on Aaron Boone. Because I really don't think he does much. It's hard. I think he's heavily. I think his hand is forced. I think I agree. You know, Cashman's the puppet master, and Boone's on the strings. I can't blame him. He seems like a nice enough guy. He gets you know he gets fired up. He'll get thrown out when he has to. He'll yell when he has to. I, I mean, I I don't really have much of an issue with Boone. My issue is Brian Cashman, and I think Brian Cashman is a talented general manager. I just think he, he needs a change of scenery. He needs a change of scenery. Yeah. yeah. I think he's won he one championship to. in 25 years. Yeah. He has to go. Right. Every I time thought... he brings guys in, they play well for a few years, and then they poop the bed. But instead of getting rid of them like every other team seems to do, he hangs on to them for too long. The problem is with the Yankees is you can never start from scratch, right? The fans would riot if we ever had a rebuild. And the one time we were going to have a rebuild, it got accelerated because the players started performing really well. Uh, what did you riot hard. though? Yes, I think. But you have, you have teams like Houston that never needs to rebuild. What did you say, Josh? You have teams like Houston that never needs to rebuild. They always have somebody coming up through the yes. pipeline. That's the next best player. But with the Yankees, there's always some guy coming up through the pipeline. But that's the next best player. But he's being blocked by a guy who's 45 years old. Exactly. Or they call the guy up. He has one start. And they send him down. They're locked into these, these guys. Can never get any tracks. better if this is what you're doing. Yep. Yeah. And then you have guys on the team. That are your everyday players, but these guys can only play 100 games a year because they need to rest. What is this shit? You're a professional athlete. This is baseball. You're standing around for 90% of the game and you can't play every day? Get out of here! I, I would like it. to point out that that would be a good example of an unbreakable record. Mr. Calvary. Oh, yes. How do we not think of that? Oh, my God. I thought of it. <laughs> it's kind of the segment ran and we just kind of moved forward, but. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. I mean, they get locked in with these terrible veteran contracts, Donaldson, Hicks, and they're useless, and they're just actively hurting the team. It's it's just terrible, man. I mean, I mean, you know, last night, Bader played. He played really well. I know he's coming back off an injury, but he hit a really big home run. Tonight he's not playing. You know why? Rest. He might be hurt. Really. I like You're a professional Bader. athlete. Play the goddamn game. I, like I don't know I what these analytics are telling these guys. These guys are going to get hurt. They get hurt anyway. Uh, Sherm's clipping. Here we go. Peter <laughs> wants to play. Uh, yeah, I think he, he wants to play. anything on that. It's not Bader's fault. No, I'm not blaming yeah, it on the player. I'm blaming it on Cashman. He is 45.5% too hard. We're afraid. So we're Cashman is the ringleader of this circus, and it has really become an actual circus on the field. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the team is never going to stop making money, and that's the problem. Because yeah. the fans are never just going to stop showing up. So Steinbrenner will never get concerned. You know, Cashman should have been fired when – Should have fired six years the ago. Jeter, not, not even that. Like, when the Jeter doc came out, and, like, it was part five or six, and Jeter said, like, listen, who would you rather have than me at shortstop right now? And oh, Cashman yeah? him in the eyes and said, Hanley, Hanley, Hanley Ramirez, bro, are we joking? Are we joking? After that, it just shows you wow. And I will say this: his talent evaluation team is pretty solid for hitters. Like he he finds these random guys and they they produce. Luke Voigt produced. Yep. Gio Urshela produced. Remember Mike Ford? Yeah. 
Mike Talkman, honestly, was a solid yes. utility guy for a little bit. And then these guys leave, and they tend to not do a lot after that. Yeah, Talkman's no good no more. The problem so, is what happens is they get they get figured out. And if we keep players too long, i.e. Gary Sanchez, i.e. Aaron Hicks, yeah. they get figured out too. The only ones who really haven't are Judge and I guess, you know, depending on the day, Glaber Torres. Uh, Rizzo can still hit a little bit. Yeah, Rizzo's a veteran who yeah. wasn't from us. Right. Like, yes, we traded for Glaber, but he started really his major league career here. I get what you're saying. So, like, anyone that we have who's, like, a young phenom that's just getting their first look with the Yankees gets figured out. And anyone that we trade for tends to, like, who's, like, a lower-key guy tends to get figured out. But I think it's, it's not as much as they're getting figured out, per se, is if you watch Yankee games, their approach to plate is atrocious. Mm-hmm. It is so bad and i don't see other teams doing this where these guys go up to the plate i don't know what they're looking but these guys will watch two fastballs go right down the middle and then swing at a slider in the dirt and they're out in three pitches over and over and over again yep. and why are they doing that josh it's a coaching problem because the analytics are telling them to do it yep it, it it is just so bad it is so stupid and if your analytics are telling you that this is what you should be doing Every other team has an analytics department telling them that this is what the Yankees are going to do. So what do they do? They keep doing it. It's, yep. it all Analytics are great, don't get me wrong, but at some point the guys have to go out there and play the game. And if you're not going to let them play the game, you're going to lose. 100%. It's like anything else. If you have, if every team has it, there's no advantage to it. Yep. Because, okay. Yeah. This ain't Philly okay, being analytics, analytics, anymore. This is what they're going to do. So how do we respond? Oh, this works. Okay, it's over. Also, side note, I'm sorry. I do not mean to sidetrack at all. You can cut this out if you want. Julius Randle has six points and four fouls. And there's no. Five in third quarter no. Eighteen. Stop. God. And I, look, I know he's hurt. I, I've been a Randle apologist all postseason long. And now he's arguing with the ref. Oh, we got last year's Randle coming out. Please, God. Oh, God. Well, if you wanted to talk oh. about other sports here for a second, the Rangers have just fired Gerard Gallant. No. What? As of four minutes ago. Are you serious? Whoa. Correct. Our first podcast bomb. <laughs> no way. Dude, I don't even – wow. That's – okay, we got an audible here. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, he made the conference final, though, last I'm year. I'm sorry. That is – that's a bad call. I, I, I yeah. that. That's a great call. Really? I, I Listen, I know very little about hockey. I'm not going to pretend like I know more than you for even a second. But to me, it's like – at the end of the day, like the players did not show up. Yeah. Exactly. That's a coaching problem. Is it – or is yeah. it a player problem? Is it Panarin goes away with, when the playoffs show up? Well, with that roster, that is a – you know, you can say everything about the Rangers' defense and it's not very good, <laughs> and their goaltending is what keeps them in the games. They couldn't score. The only guy yeah. that showed up for that team was Kreider, and he played really, really well. But, you know, he's only – he's mostly effective in front of the net on the power play, and the Rangers have a very good power play. Their five-on-five play is atrocious. Panarin did nothing and he did nothing when they went to the cup final uh, the eastern conference finals two years ago he scored that one goal in overtime against pittsburgh on a power play yeah and if he didn't score that goal i think ranger fans would have killed him oh yeah they wouldn't have made it that far at all and you know they you know they went out and they got tarasenko they went out and they got kane and it turned into nothing tarasenko played really well kane kane played well for one he scored one goal one game 
that was it. You know, uh, okay, the, so the Raiders fans were walking him. down the street like they were going to win the. They mutually parted ways. They mutually agreed to part ways. I love that term. It makes me so happy inside. That's yeah. crazy. But I think man. he was still under contract, so that is a firing. Is that yes. Unless he said, "Listen, let me out." Oh. In theory, but he wouldn't do that. I don't think. But Josh, like actual question for you here, because. I don't know a lot, as I said before, but like, is Gerard Gallant kind of like the Buck Showalter of hockey where like he shows up, changes the culture, gets a team to be really, really solid borderline contender in year one and maybe year two. And then the team just either gets tired of him or the game plan just stops working and he falls off a cliff immediately because Vegas, he walks in and they're in the cup final. That team was handed to him though, too. I'll be honest with you. You know, it's 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 tough to say. He, he you know he's been around the block, that's for sure. You know, I mean, he he did really well with the Panthers, and then you know they they did really well under him, and then all of a sudden, you know, halfway through the next year, they did bad, and then he got fired, and then he went to the Knights, and they did really really well under him, and then you know two years later they started doing really bad, and he got fired. And basically the same thing is happening with the Rangers. So I, I'm, I'm unsure if it's a culture thing because I, I can't say I've studied him that much, but it I, sounds I very show I, I don't think he had control of that Rangers locker room, to be quite honest with you. I mean, how can you with all those egos in there? Fox, Panarin, Kreider's yeah. advantage, you had Tarasenko and Kane added into that. I mean, you know, as, as son of our – Friends that are Ranger fans have said it's they were less of a team and yeah. a bunch of individuals. Yeah, and that doesn't, doesn't quite work. Good point. I think it's good for the Rangers that they fired him. I think that there's, you know, and probably another coach out there that'll do better to put all the pieces together. Whether Tarasenko and Kane stick around is a different question. Nah, but, I think uh, Kane you know, goes. I don't think. Do you think Sanko stays? I think he might stay. I think. I Kane think Tarasenko is going to command a pretty large sum of money. Yeah. And they're going to have to make a decision on whether they want to keep their young players or not. Or you can come to the Islanders. I'd like that. Uh, well, yes, I would very much like that as well. <laughs> but uh, the Islanders are in the same boat of can they afford to pay him? I, and who knows? Who quite knows how much money he is going to ask for? Is that you know that's 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 the question there for you. And the Islanders are in the same position where they have contracts they have to get rid of. Really? That was interesting. We just had a podcast bomb. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what? Let's, uh, let's bring it back to baseball. More uh, more, more current events. Um, I guess the next one to bring up is Mr. Wander Franco, oh, who God. I hope to see one week from today on Saturday. Um, because I'm hope I'm planning to see Shane McClanahan, so that seems to be when he's going to start. You. But um, haven't seen Wander yet. Um, I actually really like him. I, I think he's a stud, but we see that um, video where he was fielding a ground ball, flipped it up in the air, and then threw it the first, and all these old farts <laughs> are having so many problems with it, and I, I just don't get why. Can we just – Well, no, give it to Sherm. Here we go. Here's the rant. <laughs> you just want me to say something ridiculous. Uh, to me, that's, that's a little worse than a, than a bat flip. It's in the middle of a play, and I'm sure he would have gotten killed by the league, 
you know, you know, all the media, his team, his coaches, if he, you know, sailed that throw. What media and what fans? It's <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's true. But, uh, you know, to me, it's a little much. I, you know, I don't, I don't need to see, I don't need to see something like that. So I guess you're not a fan of when Manny Ramirez caught a ball at the wall, yeah, high five the I fan, and turned around that, and threw a double play at the end. That's entertaining. It's fun. Yes, fry him if it doesn't work. Yeah, but you know the thing. The thing is, is that it it is entertaining and fun. Yeah, but you know, fifteen years ago, if a guy does that, you throw it in his head. Oh yeah. yeah. But you're well, not allowed to do that. That's anymore. no good anymore. Exactly. Or should you? If it's you were allowed to throw a guy, if you were allowed to throw a guy's head for pimping home runs and doing shit like that, let him do it. But now that there's like no mm. retaliation, it's ridiculous. So you know, where's the how line? do you retaliate by winning the game, not throwing it at someone's head? I want to know where the line is between letting the kids play and, you know, showboating and being disrespectful. Like, where do you guys think that is? It's tough. That's what I was just ranting about with some of our other friends the other day is just the unwritten rules. And it's just all so dumb because, you know, there was a while ago when Fernando Tatis hit a grand slam. He was up 10-3. Oh, and, I remember that. And he had a grand slam. And, you know, the Ra- I think it was the Rangers they were playing against. The Rangers manager yes, came out against didn't it. like it. And then Jace Tingler was the manager at the time. And he basically condemned Tatis. Yeah, because if he hits 29 home runs on the season instead of 30 – now you're not you're not going to pay him that bonus if he has that in his contract. Exactly, guys are. His job is to hit the ball. Yep. You don't like it? Throw oh, a better pitch. Or to me, that like one, I, I I disagree about the 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 home run twenty nine to thirty thing. Is that it's the top of the seventh inning? You're up by I think they were up by like six or seven runs, and then and I think it was a position player on the mound or whatever it was. It was a three zero count. He got the green light and he swung and he had a home run on a with the bases loaded. Uh, we've seen teams blow twelve run leads in the ninth inning. Right, it happens. Your job is to Play hit again. the ball. There is no mercy rule in baseball, nor should there be. But you know, I I think there there you know there's some sort of line between showing emotion, you know, having a celebration with your teammates, and just looking like an idiot, a little kid, <laughs> you know, looking like a little kid being an ass. And I and I think that that little flip throw thing is 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 crossing the line a little bit. Fair enough. But, you know, I, I know you can make the point of, we'll just go out there and win the game. But, uh, you know, I, I've watched enough hockey. If you do something stupid like that, you're going to get your head smashed. Chuba. So, to me, in, you know, if this is baseball, you're going to get thrown at. But now you can't throw at anybody. So, I think it's it, that, you know, it's like hockey is re- trying to remove fighting. Baseball removing throwing at guys. You're creating problems more than you're solving. Fair. No, if you threw out a guy, you got suspended, or you got fined. You know, everybody knew what you were getting into when you did it, but you still did it. And so I think that wraps up the championship or bust episode. I believe seven, right? Episode seven. Yep. So thank yep. you for listening. Please make sure that you follow us on uh, Apple Music, Spotify, and on Twitter at the Cob Podcast. Hope you had a better time than I did watching this Knicks game. Right oh now. God, awful! So, all right, I'm gonna go cry now. But thanks <laughs> for joining us, and we will see you next time. Peace. Peace.